Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett with Hickory Ridge Community Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. And as always, I am so grateful that you listen to the broadcast, and I'm so excited that I've had a chance just to meet a few of you who have been coming to the church. And I just praise the Lord that you're coming and listening to this broadcast. And I want to let you know that Easter is right around the corner. And if you don't have a place to worship on Easter weekend, we are doing four services on Easter weekend. We're going to give an opportunity to worship on Saturday night, Easter weekend. That's going to be at five o'clock. Or if you prefer Easter Sunday morning, seven o'clock, nine o'clock, or 11 o'clock. And seven o'clock is going to be uh, our drive-in service. So if you'd like to get up early on Easter Sunday, come to the sunrise service and pull your car into the back parking lot. And uh, we will have an outside worship, but we're going to pray that the weather cooperates. But rain or shine, we'll be out there for drive-in service on Easter Sunday at seven. And then we'll be inside for nine and 11. So you have four options. You can come Saturday night at 5 p.m., Sunday morning at 7 o'clock a.m., 9 o'clock, or 11 o'clock a.m. And then in between the 9 and 11 o'clock service at 10.15, we are doing an Easter egg hunt for all the kids who come. And uh, we offer children's programming at the 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock service during uh, our Easter services. And so we are really looking forward to celebrating the resurrection of Christ. So I hope that you'll be with us on Easter Sunday. Well, let's get into the message today, and uh, let's talk about the church. One of my favorite subjects is to talk about the church, and I remember when I was at Bible college, I had a professor, his name was Dr. M.H. Clark, and uh, he would call us his young theologues, and uh, he would always sing that old song, Heavenly Sunshine, and he had a grovelly old voice, and uh, he pastored the church for 50 years. And in his retirement years, well into his 70s, he decided that he'd teach at a Bible college. And so uh, he taught at a, a small Bible college up in New England, and that's where I had the opportunity to meet him. What a great man of God he was. And I remember he got to the point where he couldn't keep on teaching, and uh, his wife had passed away, and his health was declining, and he started to get shingles. And, and so we, as his students, went by to visit him just before he was uh, ready to move back to Missouri. And uh, as we were gathering there and spending a few minutes with him, he was in the middle of a project. And so we asked him what he was doing. And he was putting together gospel tracks. And, and you know what a gospel track is. It's a little piece of paper, a little pamphlet that gives you the plan of salvation. And he says, you know, uh, I have these people in this apartment complex, and I haven't had a chance to share the gospel with them. And he says, before I move back to Missouri, I want to make sure everybody in this apartment complex has the opportunity to know about Christ. And he says, I'm going to go around to every door before I leave, and, uh, and I want to make sure that everybody understands what the gospel is all about. And I remember when he said that, it kind of hit our heart, right? Because here we are, young and vibrant uh, Bible college students, and, and we didn't have that kind of a passion to reach the lost. And so we took on that project, and we said, well, listen, Dr. Clark, you don't have to do that. We're going to take these tracks, and we'll knock on every door in this building. We're going to share the gospel with them. We're going to give them a gospel track, and we're going to pray that they get saved. So we took up that mission and had the opportunity to share the gospel. You know, everywhere you go, you ought to be sharing the gospel. If you've been saved, you've been born again, you have the opportunity to share the most important message that anybody can ever hear. You say, well, what is the gospel? The gospel is called the good news. It is the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul explains the gospel in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and he says, if this gospel is not true, it is true, but if it's not, we'd be of most people miserable. 
You think about the misery that people are facing today uh, in this world that we're living in. I was watching a show the other night. And uh, it's about a ministry that reaches out to truck drivers. And, uh, you know, right now, uh, we are so thankful for those who deliver our goods to us every day. And uh, we had the truck strike going on up in Canada and now right in Northern Virginia. By the time you listen to this broadcast, maybe this will be ancient history. But right now in Northern Virginia, the truckers are kind of stalling traffic and uh, kind of protesting all the restrictions that have been placed upon them uh, as a result of COVID. But not just COVID, other things that's causing them to strike. But I got thinking about the life of a trucker. And uh, this particular ministry called Truckers for Christ was interviewing some of these truckers, especially these truckers that are, you know, doing cross-country runs. And uh, so they live in their trucks and they have a, a sleeper in the back of their truck. And so they spend weeks in that truck. And, and I can't imagine that, but they talked about what that long extension of isolation does for them. And it wreaks havoc in their lives. And many of these truckers, their families have fallen apart. Their lives have fallen apart and uh, because they don't have good relationships, right? Uh, their family's not connected with them because they're always gone. And, uh, and, and in our country, uh, we have determined that solitary confinement is cruel and unusual punishment. Uh, so in the Commonwealth of Virginia, we have outlawed uh, this whole cruel treatment of isolating somebody. And so as a result, we realize that we are not meant to be by ourselves for long periods of time. And I was kidding around with this in my small group last night. I says, you know, uh, before I was married, I was a mess. And uh, my life was a mess. And uh, I got in seven car accidents in 12 months. That's how bad of a driver I was when I first started driving. And so when I got married, things changed. My wife completed me and, uh, and she has really inspired me. And uh, because of her influence on my life, you know, I've been driving now for 32 years. And, and by uh, the grace of God, in the last 32 years, I haven't been in an accident. And uh, that could change. <laughs> I'm, I'm always afraid to say that, right? Because uh, this afternoon, I may get into an accident. But, you know, I became much more responsible as a person when I became married. Uh, the Bible says to Adam, it's not good that a man should be alone, right? Men do dangerous things when they're left unattended. And so God gives us a wife and, uh, and she completes us. And it's not good that we should be alone. Now, when we talk about the church, when we talk about the gospel, I want you to know it's not good for you to live the Christian life by yourself. You know, the Bible talks about two individuals in Matthew chapter 7. Jesus gives this amazing illustration to talk about or to contrast a wise person versus a foolish person. Now, a wise person is one whose life is built on something solid. Jesus calls it the rock. And in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 to 26, Jesus uses this illustration of the wise man versus the foolish man. And he begins by saying, everyone who hears. Now, some people, they want to be in the know, right? They're like news reporters. They want to know what's going on, but they don't want to really make the news. They want to just report the news. And so here Jesus is talking about everyone who hears his words and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. And then he went on to say, Everyone who hears his words and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on sand. Now, we're talking about a foundation. Today, we're talking about the foundation of the church. And I remember when I was a kid, 
I had one of these blow-up things, and it's actually like a clown. And on the bottom of this blow-up clown, uh, there was a weight, probably sand on the bottom. And so you could punch this thing, and it would pop back up. You punch it, it would pop back up. And uh, I thought it was an amazing thing. No matter what, I I could throw it, it would pop back up. I could kick it, it would pop back up. And I remember one time I I jumped on top of this thing, and it got a hole in it, and it made like a little hissing sound. But even as it was beginning to deflate, it stood up straight even though it was losing its air. And the reason it was standing up straight is because it had weight in the bottom. And I think about people's lives. Some people, uh, it seems like they take a hit and it knocks them down and they can never get over it. Other people take hit after hit after hit, and yet they always bounce back. What is the difference? I think that one person has their, their foundation on the rock, where the other person, their foundation is on the sand. So Jesus says, everyone who hears, these words, and puts them into practice. So it's not just hearing. I will not to be hearers only. We're to be doers of the word. So we look at this illustration that Jesus gives us, and we see that there's some similarities and there's some contrasts. We see that both of these people, the wise and the foolish man, had the same vision, right? They wanted to build a house. Now, that's a good thing, right? We see they also had the same plans, except for the foundation plan, but the plans for the house itself, they were, they were the same. Uh, it was the same house, and they appeared identical. We don't see any difference between these two houses. They were the same. They looked the same. They had the same plans. They both wanted to build this house. They faced the same storm. The storm revealed the difference between these two homes, the difference of their foundation. One was built on sand, one was built on rock. Now, we don't know how long these houses stood. You know, if a house never faces a storm, it doesn't really matter what you build it on. Foundations are not designed for days of no storm. Foundations are designed to withstand the pressures of life, the storms of life. It appeared like these houses were the same because below the surface, you don't see the foundation. But the foundation is the most important part of a building. I remember when they were building our church building many years ago, and uh, they came in, and it seemed like they spent weeks and weeks and months on getting the soil ready, on digging out the footers and getting the foundation designed, getting it framed up, and uh, getting it ready for the poor. And uh, I remember going through this process, and the contractor came to me one day and says, uh, well, we ran into a little challenge here with the foundation of the building of the church. And I said, okay, well, how much is it going to cost me? And I, I knew that if they ran into a little challenge, that meant that, that we'd be paying a little extra cash uh, f- to uh, meet this challenge. And he said, well, we, we were digging out the footers, and we found that Years ago, there was apparently a ditch that ran right through uh, where our kind of where our stage area is across the whole front of where our sanctuary is today. And uh, and I said, "Oh man, this is a this is a problem." I said, "We didn't know that was there. It had been covered over many years ago, but you could still see uh, the footprint of that." as you dug down in it, and how they discovered it is because it was getting real mushy, and uh, and, uh, and the soils changed as they were digging down. And uh, so they said, well, we can fix the problem. It's not something that we can't fix. Uh, it's just going to cost a little money to to repair this issue. So what we got to do is we got to dig down deeper than that ditch was. Uh, the ditch was probably four, maybe five feet deep. So they had to go down seven or eight feet to get to the bottom of that ditch and dig out all that marshy substance. And then they had to go ahead and fill it in 
with gravel and and sand and they built it back up and uh but today you can't you can't even tell that there was a problem because they directed their attention to it and they fixed that problem not did cost us a little money to fix that problem uh, but god took care of it right and so i want you to know that when you look at your house if your house is built upon the rock it will withstand the storms the church and its foundation is so very important you know, COVID has revealed the foundation of many churches. I-, I was so disappointed to read in the month of February of 2022, over 1,500 churches in the United States closed their doors. And they've been closing their doors month after month since COVID uh, because many churches have had a hard time rebounding. And now some churches have really thrived through COVID. And I think it's the churches that had their foundation on Christ, and they had their foundation on being creative and, and seeking ways to continue to minister and continue to meet in the midst of COVID. And, uh, you know, the enemy would love to shut down every church in America, but I want you to know, God has raised up his church, and if it's built on Christ, the church is built on Christ, that chief cornerstone, we don't have to worry about becoming extinct. Listen, God will hold us together. As a matter of fact, I never worry too much about the pressure from without that is wreaking havoc on the church. I always worry about the pressure inside the church. But I figure if we're getting along well within the church, uh, that the gates of hell are not going to prevail against us. So let's talk about the church today and in the broadcast tomorrow. And uh, we're looking at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. Now, Paul is writing, and Paul is addressing some issues of disunity within the church of Ephesus. And so he says to them, rather than being disunified, he he says in verse 15 and 16, rather speak the truth in love. He says, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and is held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working together properly, makes the body grow up so that it builds itself up in love. Now, as you think about this, Paul is addressing a church that is struggling with a schism, right? And he says, we've got to remember something as a congregation, that we are to speak the truth in love. Now, he's putting these two words, truth and love, together. We tend to separate them. We tend to say, well, I'm going to tell you the truth, but it may not be love when I tell you the truth. Or we may say, well, I'm going to love you, so I'm not going to tell you the truth, right? Paul says you really can't separate these two. And he has the analogy in chapter number five and six of a family, right? And he talks about the analogy of a husband and wife. They are not meant to be separated. It's kind of like my relationship with my wife. I love my wife, and uh, and God has brought us together, what God has joined together, let no man tear it asunder, okay? So God looks at me, and he looks at my wife as one unit, not meant to be separated. And so when we think about truth and love, it's the same thing. It's like chocolate milk, right? And some people say, well, I got milk and I got chocolate. Well, you got two separate things, but once you put them together, you can't separate it out it becomes one. And so Paul is driving home the point that as believers in Christ, we speak truth and love. We speak truth in love, and we love in truth. And so, you know, the other day I was up for a walk, and, you know, my wife thinks I need to lose a little weight, and uh, and so uh, and so she's done good on her diet, and I haven't done so good on mine. And, and so uh, I was walking, and I was, matter of fact, I was up in, in uh, Yorktown, and uh, there's a wonderful library up there that I go and study sometimes. And 
And uh, on the side of this library, there's a little sidewalk that takes you through a neighborhood. And, and I like to walk through that neighborhood. It's a good, safe place. And, and it's off the, uh, the major uh, road that the library's on. And, uh, and so there's a little sidewalk that takes you in between two houses. And uh, it's really kind of cool. And uh, this one particular house always has a sign uh, in his window. And uh, so I don't know if this person will ever listen to this broadcast, but if they are, uh, they're going to know who I'm talking about, right? Uh, And they have a sign on the window, and every week they put a different word in there. And so not too long ago, I saw the word elation. And they put the word in their window. It's kind of like on a a marker board. And uh, elation, I love that word, elation. Here's the definition. It is the action of inferring or drawing a conclusion. It's kind of what Paul is doing with the Ephesian believers. He's, he's driving home what the purpose of the church is, what its foundation is, what is the church comprised of. And as he gives this illustration in verses 15 and 16 of Ephesians chapter 4, he is hoping that the church will come up and infer and draw some conclusions as to how they should conduct themselves within the church. And so I want to go through these uh, with you one by one. And what we don't finish today, we'll cover in tomorrow's broadcast. But first of all, the church is a place where we speak up. Paul says we speak the truth in love. Speaking the truth in love. And when we think about this, speaking the truth in love, this is really what I would call evangelism. We are sharing the gospel And we're speaking the truth in love. We're speaking up about what Christ has done for us. Now, Pascal said this about, you know, speaking, uh, each man speaking truth. And he says, if all men knew what each other said to the other, there would not be but four friends in the world. What is he saying? He says, if everybody knew exactly what I was saying all the time, I'd have no friends. But Paul is saying that we, as followers of Christ, should be speaking truth in love. Peter put it this way, 1 Peter 3.15. He says, in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared. And stay ready. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks of you that reason for the hope that you have. And he says, we're to do this with gentleness and respect. So we speak the truth with gentleness or and respect, or we could say we're going to speak the truth in love. Paul is making a point that the church is unified when it has the same message, when it speaks the truth in love. That's evangelism. It's not two separate parts, but it's one. The gospel is both truthful and the gospel is also loving. And so we look at sharing the gospel, and, and maybe sometimes you feel like when you're sharing the gospel, you have that feeling like when you're talking to your children— You feel like what you're saying to them is going in one ear and right out the other. And sometimes that's what I feel about uh, with my sermon. Sometimes I'll look over the congregation and I see eyes glazed over and uh, and I'm thinking, well, what I'm saying right now is going in one ear and right out the other. In fact, it kind of reminds me of the story of the pastor who was out hunting one day and he was out with a doctor and a lawyer. And as they're going out and enjoying a beautiful day of hunting, uh, they both looked across the field, or all three of them looked across the field, and they noticed a five-point buck standing right out there about 300 yards away. And so they all simultaneously took aim and took a shot, and then the deer fell dead. Well, as you can imagine, an argument ensued between the pastor, the doctor, and the lawyer as to who actually shot the deer. Well, they all claimed that it was their shot 
that hit and kill that deer. Well, the argument got so heated that he finally decided the best way to settle this argument is to call in the game warden. And so the game warden came over and he was going to settle this dispute as to who made that fatal shot that took out that fine looking five point buck. Well, the game warden came over and looked over the deer and and he quickly figured out who shot the buck. He said with the utmost confidence, it was the pastor's shot that hit and killed the buck. Well, how can you be so sure, protested the doctor and the lawyer. Well, the game warden said, I only found one place where the bullet entered and exited the deer. The deer was shot in the side of the head, and the bullet went in one ear and right out the other, so it had to be the bullet from the pastor that killed the deer. Well, I thought that was a kind of funny story, and maybe that's how you feel as you are sharing the gospel. That is going in one ear and out the other. But you never know when you are planting seeds how God is going to use that. You know, just a couple Sundays ago, there was a couple of young people that came to church, and uh, and they came to church, and they had, uh, they had their children with them. And, and uh, at the end of the service, I said hello to them, and, and I, I didn't recognize who they were, but they recognized who I was, and they were trying to figure out how they knew me. And so uh, I got home later on that afternoon. I didn't think, think anything of it, and uh, I got an email. And the dad of these two young ladies had sent me a, a, a wonderful email and says, well, you know, the whole time uh, during the service, I, I'm scratching my head. says, well, how do I know this guy up there uh, who's giving this message? And he says, I'm thinking and I'm thinking and I'm thinking. And then he said, it hit me. He said, uh, you used to live on my street. And he said in this email that uh, one day your wife was great with child and she came down and visited with us and she uh, brought some food to my family. And I had just lost my job, and uh, she offered to bring uh, the girls to the Iwana ministry at the Rurgeon Club, and, and it made such an impression on them. And, but unfortunately, the guy's marriage fell apart, life fell apart, and, and uh, they moved kind of out of the area, but now they're back, and they're looking for a church home. And they didn't make the connection because at the time that the girls were coming to the Iwana ministry, we were meeting at the Rurgeon Club, and uh, so that was a long time ago. And now we're in our own building. And, and, but just the point is, is that we sometimes plant seeds and, and we wonder what is ever going to happen to it. And, and then years later, sometimes decades later, God brings about a harvest. Paul put it this way in Romans 9.1. He says, I speak the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience confirms it through the Holy Spirit. Oh, let me encourage you. Speak the truth in love but speak the truth. Let the world know. Let your neighbors know. Let your family know. Let your co-workers know that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And if they will receive this free gift of salvation, their life will never be again the same. They'll receive everlasting life. They'll enjoy the abundant Christian life. And I want you to know, I'd want to be a Christian, even if heaven was never thrown in. Just because of the great time that I have here on this life, knowing how, how it's going to end, knowing where God is working, uh, knowing a little bit about the future, because God's given us this wonderful book called the Bible, which stands for Basic Information Before Leaving Earth. Well, Paul talks about the fact that the church should be a place where we speak the truth and love, so we speak up, we share the gospel wherever we go. Elation number two. Not only do we speak up, that's evangelism, but we also grow up. Right, that's discipleship, and this is where you got to get into small groups. And so I was really driving home this point on Sunday. I says I want to encourage everybody to be in a small group, and I says I will never ask you to do anything that I'm not doing. 
And I says, I'm in a small group every week. And I go to small groups so that I can be a blessing to somebody. And you know, I had three new families come to my small group last night, uh, all because they were encouraged to get connected. We grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. So discipleship is done in group. Now, you're going to remain immature if you're not connected with others. You see, immaturity ruins countries and ruins families and marriages, and it's that refusal to grow up. Remember when you were a kid? Uh, Maybe you remember that business, Toys R Us. And their theme song was, I don't want to grow up. I don't want to be a Toys R Us kid. Well, listen, I don't really want to grow up either, but I've discovered there's some major benefits growing up in the faith, becoming more like Christ. So join us tomorrow. We're going to continue on this theme of the foundation of the church. Please come worship with us on Sunday, 9 o'clock or 1030. We're located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. If you'd like to have more information about the church, you can go to hrcc7.org, hrcc7.org. That tells you all about our church, the ministries of our church. If you'd like to send in a prayer request to me, uh, you can do that through our email that we have set up for this broadcast. And it's one hope for your heart at gmail.com. Spell out the word one, O-N-E, one hope for your heart at gmail.com. Well, thank you so much for listening to the broadcast. I hope to see you this weekend. Thank you so much for being part of the family of God. And thank you so much for your listening in today's broadcast. God bless you. I look forward to talking with you tomorrow. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.